Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Berkeley Center for Law and Technology's Expert Series podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Stacy, And with me today, I have Chris Mammon, a partner at the firm of Womble, Bond & Dickinson. Chris is an expert in AI and patentability. So Chris, we've been talking about AI as a named inventor on patents since 2019, kind of seriously. And at first, it seemed like a novelty question uh, that might show up on a law school exam, but it didn't have a lot of practical impact. Um, things seem to be changing. So tell us why we should care about whether AI can be named as an inventor. Uh, thanks, Wayne. Um, yeah, this is, a, uh, this is an issue that uh, kind of raged into the fore in the summer of 2019, and a couple months later seemed to be largely resolved uh, with decisions out of the US, uh, the European Patent Office and the UK uh, IP office all saying that uh, no, in fact, uh, uh, AI algorithms cannot be named inventors on patents. And so we had a, a nice uh, parlor discussion for a, uh, uh, for a couple of months that was very interesting and then things went quiet. Um, it's changed in the last two or three weeks uh, because the, uh, the, the proponents of AI as an inventor, uh, in particular, uh, Professor Ryan Abbott out of the UK and Dr. Stephen Thaler uh, out of Missouri, uh, have continued to pursue uh, patenting of uh, their uh, inventions, their algorithms inventions. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, South Africa, was the first country to grant a patent uh, to the algorithm Davos, uh, which is uh, Dr. Thaler's uh, AI algorithm. And the next day, a court in Australia similarly ruled that uh, it would be theoretically possible at least uh, for an AI to be a named inventor under Australian patent law. And so those were, uh, those were the first two rulings that I'm aware of uh, that, that held that an AI can be a named inventor. And um, then uh, last week, uh, Judge Brinkema in the Eastern District of Virginia issued a long-awaited ruling in the U.S. on the, uh, the litigation over the Patent Office's denial, the U.S. Patent Office's denial, uh, holding that, yes, in fact, in the U.S., an AI cannot be a named inventor. So right you know, as we sit here right now, we now have different countries reaching different conclusions about whether or not an AI can be an inventor. So it's it's no longer this uh, interesting side discussion and is actually something that we're going to need to dig in on and, and um, figure out eventually how we want to resolve this question. I mean, generally, when we talk about whether AI is an inventor, we we shorthand that discussion and have it from a policy level. Um, but the reality is when you look at what happened in South Africa or in Australia or the Eastern District of Virginia, right now it's all about rules and statutory interpretation rather than policy. Am I, am I reading those decisions correctly? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, if, we look, uh, if we look at the South African decision, um, you know, South Africa has a patent registration regime. Um, and so there's not the same kind of examination that we're used to looking at from the USPTO. And uh, their patent law does not define inventor. 
So, you know, those factors add up to, you know, not being a significant reason not to grant an AI uh, a patent in South, under South African law. Um, under Australian law, uh, inventor is defined as a person and the judge's decision, um, you know, with a the jumps through a bunch of other hoops and the judge's decision there uh, said, well, you know, under certain circumstances, there's no reason that a AI algorithm that meets certain criteria couldn't be a person. And so, yeah, why not? An AI could be an inventor. Uh, meanwhile, uh, in the US, the EU and the UK, um, there have been various decisions um, concerning the way AI is defined. In the US, for example, um, it's defined as an individual and there's, there's case law, um, including Judge Brickham's decision and some earlier precedents saying that only a natural person can be an inventor and that an individual has to be a natural person. Um, you know, also there are some procedural hurdles, um, such as the inventor's oath. How can an AI sign an inventor's oath, which is a necessary part of an application in certain countries? Um, so those, those positive law questions are in significant part what's defining it now, rather than those underlying policy issues you alluded to. So, you know, the definition of inventor sets in old statutory language in the U.S. I mean, I haven't seen anything in terms of a congressional policy or any congressional appetite for picking up this AI as an inventor issue. Have you? Uh, I haven't. And uh, I, frankly, given all the other things that are on Congress's plate right now, I, I would be surprised uh, to see this come up as a, as a particular issue, even sort of tucked into some other patent law reform bill. Um, there's enough uncertainty and it, uh, about how it should come out. And frankly, I think it's premature um, uh, given the state of the science. Uh, it's important to start talking about it now, but I don't think we're at a place where we need to um, consider sort of widespread uh, AI algorithms that are, for lack of a better word, sentient enough to be named inventors. Well, you know, when you look at the, the recent declaration about AI being a, a national security issue here in the U.S., you look at China's policies on uh, you know, becoming a, a dominant player in the AI world, do you see this, this patent uh, or this inventorship issue actually putting one country at an advantage over another uh, in the future? You know, I'm not sure there's a clear answer on that. Um, the, the, my co-author on a recent, um, recent piece on, on Patent Leo about the South African uh, decision has argued that it's, it's going to be good for South Africa as a matter of industrial policy to begin issuing patents to AIs, and it's going to put it at a relative competitive advantage um, and to jumpstart its technology industry. Um, uh, you know, others have argued uh, or considered the problem that if we start granting patents uh, on AI-generated inventions at the rate that uh, AI algorithms could begin theoretically cranking these out, um, 
it might it might result in a competitive and national competitive advantage, or it might result in uh, just a concentration of, and lockup of certain areas of technology by those who have the computing power and the wherewithal to run those algorithms and, and file um, exponentially more patent applications. So what kind of framework should we be thinking about as, as this goes forward? I mean, you said it wasn't quite right for any type of legislation right now. Um, how do we make sure we're where we need to be before everything goes wrong? Um, that's a great question. I like to think of it in, in terms of uh, sort of three factors or three pieces of the analysis. One is what are the existing laws and the existing legal framework? Um, so, you know, in the US, for example, um, we have a number of cases out of the federal circuit that even predate the AI context, holding that an inventor must be a natural person. Now we have Judge Brinkham's decision out of the Eastern District of Virginia uh, concluding the same thing. So we've got some precedent. It's based on the statutory language. Um, and as I've, I've mentioned, you know, there are aspects of the statutory language in South Africa and Australia that impact the decisions there. Uh, another factor is the practical considerations. Um, what else must be true under our patent system if an AI is to be deemed an inventor? What else is it that AIs, uh, or excuse me, what else is it that inventors need to be able to do? In our system, filing the application, they have to be able to execute an oath. Uh, if there is uh, going to be a, an asserted claim, uh, they may need to be able to assign, have the capacity to assign that uh, invention to somebody else. Uh, they may need to be deposed or make a decision to sue or enforce or license the patent. Um, we're nowhere near having AIs that have all of that general legal agency. Um, now, you know, a response could be, oh, well, we can deal with all of that through new regulations and new legislation. But those are all practical considerations that we have to address uh, as part of the decision of what we're going to go forward. And then the third consideration, sort of most abstract, is, you know, at root, what should our IP system and our patent system in particular protect? Is it a system of industrial policy that uh, is aimed at protecting innovations sort of regardless of this inventorship question? Uh, or is it uh, a, a, um, uh, a part of our system that's designed to, uh, to borrow from the constitution to promote innovation and to encourage human creativity and flourishing? Uh, and so there's sort of this you know, at root, a, uh, a core question of industrial policy versus some sort of humanistic set of values. And I think a lot of the answers that people provide to the practical questions uh, reflect their prejudgment of that fundamental uh, theoretical question. And so uh, the discussion needs to take into account all three of those layers. Well, Chris, uh, one last question for you. Uh, what case or country should we be watching next to see where this policy goes? 
Um, you know, that's a good question. Um, I am not sure what's going to pop out in the dozen or so other countries where uh, uh, Professor Abbott and Dr. Thaler have their patent applications pending. Um, the South Africa decision came as a bit of a, a surprise out of the blue. Um, there's inevitably going to be a federal circuit appeal of uh, the Eastern District of Virginia decision here. And I suspect that there are some proceedings making their way through the courts in Europe and the UK. Which of those is going to happen first? I don't know, but it's going to be certainly an interesting uh, uh, set of developments internationally to keep an eye on. Well, the, the good thing about um, these, the, the litigants that have taken this issue up is they're, they're determined to see this policy through. So they're going to force, force people to make decisions that won't be ignored. They certainly are. They've been uh, they've been persistent all around the world in in trying to get these patents issued on the uh, uh, spiky soda can and the uh, and the neural flame attention uh, light. Well, Chris, thank you uh, for taking some time to share with us. Um, I'm sure we'll be following up with you in the future as more of these cases uh, percolate through the the system. Thanks, Wayne. I look forward to it.